So remember when UK two-year guilt yields shot up when short-term Prime Minister Liz Truss presented an unfunded, growth-oriented budget when the Bank of England was trying to subdue demand? Well, yields are even higher now in the UK and unemployment is falling and wages are rising. Britain has problems, it seems, but things are seeming to be easing in the United States and maybe for Australia as well. We'll look at yesterday's NAB business survey and US inflation numbers ahead of the Fed. Yes, it's that time. The Fed is meeting today and we'll note their rate decision this time tomorrow. It's Wednesday. It's the 14th of June, 2023. Happy birthday to me. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. And just a quick reminder, if you are an Australian fixed income fund manager and you'd like to show your support for the work of the NAB research team with their reports and, of course, this podcast as well, then you can vote in the Kanga News survey this week. I said there was a link in the email that we sent out yesterday, but we didn't have it in time for yesterday's email, but it's in today's email. So click on it and say something marvellous about the NAB research team uh, and uh, we will appreciate it. So today, a one third of a percent fall in the US dollar on the D. XY index, but it's up half a percent on the Japanese yen, with the pound up three quarters of one percent, the euro up 0.3 percent, the Aussie, uh, well, it's only up 0.2 percent at 67.6 US cents. Still more enthusiasm in US equities, this time because there is hope that there is a halt in hikes, which we'll come to today. At close, the Dow is up 0.4 percent, 0.8 percent for the NASDAQ, and 0.7 percent for the SP 500. The NASDAQ up almost 30 percent so far this year, and bond yields are rising up 10 for 10 year treasuries. Up 13 in Canada, up 9 in the UK, up 4 for 10-year Bund yields in Germany. Aussie 10 years, down a bit yesterday, down a couple of basis points, but up about 5 basis points on futures overnight, uh, just a couple of basis points below 4% now. And oil up sharply after the massive falls on Monday. WTI is up 3.1%, the same for Brent, which is around $74 a barrel right now. So says it all, really, doesn't it? Everything is a bit topsy-turvy right now. It is all around what a central bank's going to do next. So perhaps on that, we should start in the UK with the pound up so much, bond yields rising there. Taylor Nugent joins me from NAB in Melbourne. I mean, that is obviously a sign that more is expected from the Bank of England and hardly surprising because the employment numbers uh, are giving a lot of concerns. First of all, uh, the unemployment rate is uh, going down. It's not rising. So a very tight labour market. In fact, 250,000 new jobs there. And wages are going up, not going down either. It's all heading in the wrong direction for the Bank of England. England, isn't it? Yeah, good Good morning, Phil. A, a challenging situation for, for the BOE, painted by that labour market data. Certainly, as you mentioned, the unemployment rate dropping to, to 3.8% in the three months to April. Expectations there were for a small increase to 4%. Um, also, we saw there was some tentative signs that maybe the labour market was turning in, in payroll employees, which hadn't initially reported 136k decline last month. That was revised away to a 7K increase and there was a, a further increase reported for um, for April as well. Um, probably the most uh, challenging thing there from the BOE's perspective, though, is that um, the earnings numbers were, were very strong. Average earnings, excluding bonuses, rose 7.2% year on year. That's up from 6.7 and, and versus 6.9% expected. So there was you know a little bit of a boost there from... Uh, minimum wage increases in in April, um, but what it does say is that you know wages growth continuing to run above where policymakers and where forecasters were expecting, and and just says that while 
you know, the the more dovish side of the Bank of England has been, you know, focused on the the lags of monetary policy pass through and and potential for some of the high inflation to be driven by imported cost pressures and and delays pass through through food inflation and, and other things. You know, what that wages data says is that, you know, the labor market is tight enough for for workers to be to be bidding, bidding their wages up and, and protecting against some of the real wage declines from elevated inflation. Yeah, and the more, of course, people see that inflation number, the more they want those wages to go up. So 7.2% growth is the annual increase for for those three months to April, which is, uh, I mean, it, it was higher during the, the, the pandemic, uh, but unusual circumstances. If you, put, if you put that aside, that's the highest figure they've ever had in the UK. So Megan Green, who's joining the Monetary Policy Committee in July, said she's worried that, the, you know, we are seeing second round effects creeping in. You know, people are demanding higher wages because inflation is staying high for longer. And I'm not quite sure what you do about that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think you can see can see in market pricing that I think you know the the what you have to do about that is is respond with with um you know tighter monetary policy for longer until you do get that purchase and we saw um, market pricing move move higher um, the peak yeah. rate now uh, over five point seven five percent pricing in five point seven five percent by December and and a peak at four point eight five point eight percent by February and that's a full twenty five basis points higher than it was a day earlier ahead of that data I mean we also saw two year yields up around twenty five basis points to four point eight eight percent so that's higher than it was yeah. uh, immediately following the the trust mini budget yes. and the highest two year yields since 2008. When, of course, I mean, it's, it, you know, that, that got there sharply because, of course, remember, the Bank of England had to step in to protect pension funds, but hopefully they've, uh, they've prepared for the fact that uh, bond prices might be dropping a bit, so the less of a worry on that. But GDP numbers today for the UK, I mean, they are expected to be soft, but I mean, that doesn't materially change the job of the Bank of England, does it? Because they will be so focused now on these job numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the challenge, you know, for, for a lot of central banks at the moment is kind of weighing up how much space they really have to to slow down and, and take heed of, of evidence slowing and activity when when the data does move in that direction, given that that imperative to get inflation down and and the the risks around that persisting for longer if it does get more entrenched and and you know there's evident concern from from the BOE that that it might be moving in in that direction so not really much much wriggle room for them in the near term I don't think even as you say if if that uh, Activity data does show that the economy kind of continues to to muddle along. I mean, Australia is in a bit of a different place. We haven't got the same, quite the same pressures on uh, on uh, wage inflation, and certainly we are seeing the economy slowing. I mean, that was evident in the NAB business survey yesterday, wasn't it? Which showed activity a seven point fall in business conditions to plus eight. Uh, index points. Uh, so we had falls in trading activity, employment and profitability, a triple whammy, which is bad news. But also, you know, perhaps it means that the RBA can be less aggressive on rates, perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. So we did see business conditions fall, um, you know, fa- fairly, a fairly large fall down seven, seven points. But, um, you know, worth noting just how elevated business conditions had been for for some time in, in Australia. And so that fall of seven points to plus eight still leaves business conditions a little above their their long run average. So it still stands out as kind of a bit of a point of difference when when you look across countries with how business conditions are faring. Elsewhere in the survey, you know, some of the forward-looking components did point to, you know, the potential for some further slowing from here. We had confidence fall back to to negative four, and so below its its long-run average. And we did have forward orders um, dip six points to to negative five as well. So all of that's kind of 
pointing in the direction of of some further further slowing and and um, you know fairly fairly soft um, fairly soft growth from here. But you know, worth noting again, as we were just talking about with with the UK, not quite the same challenges as as faced in in the UK locally. But kind of in terms of the indicators for those price pressures and how persistent they might be in this survey, given the RBA is so focused on on those risks that inflation proves more more persistent than it's forecasting. You look at capacity utilization, it, it remained very high. It, it edged only marginally lower to, to 84.7 from, from 85, but still at very high levels. Um, and across the prices components, there was, you know, small, small increases in, in the month. So still those pricing pressures well below where they were last year, but but still too high, and no evidence of kind of you know material further progress on on those those pricing indicators from the survey. So although activity is slowing, you know still evidence of a, a capacity constrained economy and price pressures at, at levels that would be uncomfortable for the RBA mm. in that survey. And consumer sentiment. So we so my understanding is that th- those numbers that survey straddled the the last RBA rate hike. So this is an average figure. It's 0.2% higher. 79.2 is the index number. Uh, but we got very different responses before and after. So sentiment was much worse after. So the, the so people were shocked by the, the the hike basically. But we sort of we sort of knew that. But I mean that's again that's a good thing, isn't it, for the RBA? I mean uh, you know a bit of shock and awe. It perhaps means that. Uh, you know, they have to do less in the future would be one way of reading that, wouldn't it? Potentially certainly means that they're getting they're getting cut through. People people can see that the RBA is is focused on on the inflation fight. And yeah, as as you say, um those survey prior to the the dis- RBA's decision to to move in June did see confidence um increase uh fairly sharply. Um whereas those afterwards saw a eight point one percent decrease month on month. So quite a divergence there, as you say. Um but kind of Zooming out fairly flat in the month, and although consumer sentiment has been choppy month to month, it's kind of broadly been around its current level since since August last year, um, and so it doesn't seem to be you know too too much movement. Consumers pessimistic, seeing that those high inflation and and that headwind, and and showing a, a soft uh, consumer sentiment number on on the back of that. The question really is how much that kind of feeds through into into further slowing in in consumption spending and, and the outlook. One thing worth noting in there as well is that, you know, while sentiment broadly has been fairly stable since August last year, we have seen unemployment expectations moving higher. And so that does suggest that, you know, some of the exceptional tightness in, in the labor market um, has has eased. We've seen that in other indicators as well. But what we're seeing here is that, you know, consumers do seem to be having their kind of perceptions of job security falling back a little bit. And so, you know, when we think about the the risks of of wages growth ratcheting higher, um, this this kind of indicator, you know, does suggest that we are seeing some cooling in the labour market as well. Yeah. So it does show, doesn't it, the Bank of England is standing out a little. Hence, you know, hence the big increase in, in the pound today, I guess, because we also had the core inflation number for the US. And it is coming down from, it's slowly, but from 5.5% down to 5.3%. I mean, that is pretty much in line with expectations, isn't it? The headline rate uh, month on month was a little lower than expected, but not any, uh, not any great, to any great extent. So, I mean, have they got? Is it as easy as saying they've got inflation licked over there? I mean, has it peaked? Is it all all downhill from now on? I mean, and and therefore, you know, does that mean a skip from the Fed or even stopping? Is that possible? 
from the Fed now. I mean, you'd, you'd be a, a braver man than I to, to call time on the inflation problem <laughs> at, at this stage. But yeah, as you say, that data that came in overnight, um, broadly in line with expectations, um, the, the headline rate falling to, to 4.1% from, from 49 to 0.1% monthly gain. That was helped by a fall in, in gas and, and energy prices and, and some, some large base effects from a year ago, which, which should also see that, that year-ended number fall again um, next month as a, a large June increase a year ago falls out. Um, that, that core number, probably where, where most of the focus is, also came in broadly in line with expectations, um, up 0.4% month on month. Core inflation has been kind of tracking sideways, lower than where, where it had been um, a year or so ago, but kind of stubbornly around 5% on a, a three-month annualized rate so far through through 2023. Um, under the hood, though, there is a bit more scope for optimism on, on the direction of travel. Certainly, if you take out uh, shelter and, and used cars from the core as well, it was actually up just 0.1% month on month and running at a 2.3% three-month annualized rate, which is, you know, not not too concerning and probably, you know, broadly consistent with, with where the Fed would like to see it if it does stay there. Um, and so we ha are seeing, you know, some support from increases in used car prices through April and May, keeping that core inflation number a bit more elevated and, and those aren't likely to persist. And so, you know, there are on on some of the detail here, more signs for optimism. Um, but, you know, overall, you know, the Fed wants to be comfortable that inflation is, you know, sustainably on, on a path back to um, to um, where they would like to see it, to their 2% target before they kind of call victory. Um, but, you know, nothing in this data I would expect to cause any kind of frantic rethinks ahead of ahead of uh, tomorrow morning's FOMC decision. Yeah, well, the right direction, isn't it? You know, I mean, at least, the, the, you know, we'd, we've not been able to say that a lot lately. <laughs> a lot more like the Bank of England definitely going in the wrong direction. So uh, China, we see, we, we've seen a, a Asian equities up quite a bit yesterday. Uh, mixed news from China. So the PBOC uh, has cut their seven-day reverse repo rate. We're expecting one- and five-year loan prime rates are going to be cut this week and next as well, and more stimulus measures as well to try and get the economy back on track. We saw uh, the the growth in loans slipping yesterday, so the, the growth in money supply consequently slipping quite a bit as well. So they need to do more. The fact that they it looks like they will do more, is that why we're seeing oil? bouncing back again today i mean oil has been so volatile lately yeah so uh, uh, you know a fair bit of news from from china actually yesterday as as you say we had the um that cut to the the um short-term reverse repo rate which is their their short-term policy rate um by by 10 basis points and that you know is is increasing speculation that you know a cut to the the one year mlf rate could could follow on on thursday uh, we also had reports uh in from bloomberg that china is considering a, a broad package of, of stimulus measures, um, including, um, you know, support for, for real estate and, and domestic demand and, and that the state council could be discussing those as, as soon as Friday. And so that um, that kind of hope for for more support um, does seem to be, um, you know, supporting supporting oil on the day. As you mentioned, we also saw the, um, the Ramimbi uh uh, weaker on on net after this data as well so that kind of that news of mm. of more support did seem to to support a little bit through the day but you know overall outweighed by uh those kind of expectations for for further uh further cuts to to policy rates and also that um that weaker credit growth as well which is kind of you know another 
another negative sign to add to the the run of kind yeah. of um, you know mixed data that we've seen from from China recently. Well, today ahead of the the Fed tomorrow morning, we get US PPI. Uh, we also get Europe's industrial production numbers. Incidentally, we got got the Zoo Economic Sentiment Survey yesterday for Europe and for Germany, which wasn't as bad as expected. So for Germany, for example, uh, it was expected to fall from minus ten point seven to minus thirteen point one, but actually it went up to minus eight point five. Still negative, but positively so. Uh, so we'll take what we can on that. Uh, but look, the Fed tomorrow morning, uh, we got, we've got the works, haven't we, tomorrow? Because we do get the, the dot plots this time and, of course, the press conference as well and a lot hanging on it. But, but the expectation of a, of a pause has gone up a bit, hasn't it, over the last 24 hours? Yeah, that, that's right. So, you know, markets and, and analysts certainly primed for, you know, what the, the Fed is calling a, a skip or a, or a hawkish pause. So, you know, um, looking like they might, you know, pause in, in this meeting, but certainly leave the door open to, to more hikes. And, you know, you would expect if they do mm. pause that, that that dot plot could show um, at least one more hike um, over over the course of this year as well. Um, eight of 108 analysts look for a hike. So, you know, that that skipped very much the, the consensus. And we did see after that CPI data um, the the chance of a, a hike in um, at the meeting tomorrow morning um, fall back a little bit from about six basis points price to about three yeah. basis points price. So, you know, far from far yeah. from guaranteed given given strength in, in payrolls data and that concern about persistent inflation, but certainly looks like, you know, markets well placed to, to see a skip. Well, Sally will be with me tomorrow morning. First thing to go through all of that uh, hot on the heels of that press conference. So uh, we'll bring it to you first thing tomorrow uh, and uh, we'll leave it there for now. Thanks, Taylor. Catch you next time. Thanks, Phil. And that's it. That's the morning call for this Wednesday, the 14th of June. Looking forward to a nice breakfast this morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.